The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. On that day, Jesus went out to the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose it was scorched, and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it, and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord speaks through Isaiah today and assures us that just as water falls from the heavens and is certain to nourish the world around us, to nourish the grass and the crops, so also when the Son of Man, the Word of God, descends, that he will not be fruitless. When the Lord Jesus came among us, it was for a single purpose, to produce rich fruits for the kingdom of God, us. Christ came among us. He took on our flesh. He offered his life on the cross so that we might be brought into the storehouse of God, fruits for the kingdom of heaven. 
Lord God desires us with an intense love. And he goes to great lengths in the hope that we might be fruitful. In order for crops to grow, they need good soil and they need water. It's kind of a basic starting point, I think. And most times, as we see in the gospel, the Lord uses the analogy of a sower going out to sow the seed and he just kind of tosses it wherever it lands. And it's the reality that Jesus, when he spoke, he was speaking to anybody and everybody. There were people that were there, I mean, because oftentimes he would just show up in town and people knew that some wonder worker was there. That he, you know, he, was, he healed somebody in the next town over and we heard about it. So we, we want to see. Everybody loves a good show, right? So they come to see the show. They come to see this Jesus. And many people hear the word of God. They hear the things that he speaks and it falls on different ground. Some people can't barely receive it at all, being on the path. Some are rocky, some filled with sin and choked out by the vines, and some receive it and bear great fruit. But it must be prepared, the soil, to receive that seed. And this is the invitation. Is indeed the Lord God that comes to us and he gives us the word of God once again. He gives us the spoken word in the scriptures that we just read that it might be nourished within our heart. But the reality is that the word of God is Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. So when we talk about the word coming among us to bear fruit, it's, it's Jesus. Jesus comes to us and he comes to our soul and seeks to give us new life. To change us, to transform us, to make us fruitful for the kingdom. A farmer, when he goes into the field, doesn't simply walk into a forest and just start throwing seed around haphazardly, I don't believe. One typically would start with clearing off the land. You clear off the trees, clear out the roots, if there are rocks, to pull them up. Then one would till the soil, level it, make rows, make it straight. Then plant the seed, and then you've got to fight the weeds. Indeed, there's more, but for the sake of the gospel, it's a starting point. There's a preparation that takes place, a long preparation, before the seed of the word is able to actually sink deeply into the soil and grow. And the same is true of our souls. And Jesus knows this. It's the pattern that Jesus gives us, in fact. We see it all through the life of the church. In fact, we see it from the life of Christ. That preparation happens beforehand, and then the word is able to be received. When Jesus went out with his disciples, very often he sent them ahead of him in pairs. He gave them authority to go and to cast out demons, to heal, to raise the dead, to cure the sick. And he sent them out in that way because they were going to prepare the soil. They went out because, you know, that, that's the reality is, is illness, sickness, suffering, death, the demonic possession, the, the reality of the demonic. All of those are things that prevent one from receiving the word of God when it is spoken. And Jesus, the word, is about to come to them. And so the disciples are sent out ahead to be able to clear the way, to make ready the path. So that it becomes a place of rich soil. And the people that, that had been healed, the people that had, been, had demons cast out, the people who had been afflicted in so many ways, who found peace by the word and the authority given to the apostles, that when the word came, they would be ready 
to convert, ready to receive the word in power and for it to bear great fruit. We see the same reality in life in the church, that a person comes and before they receive Holy Communion, for the first time at least, they go to confession. They get all the sin out of the way, and then they're ready for communion with Christ. The reception of the word, the first time the seed, in a sense, is planted in them in the Eucharist. We sit in the celebration of baptism. Every baptism, there is preceded before the actual baptism itself, before the washing with water, there is a minor exorcism. It's a reality that that every single one of us is born with original sin. There's something the devil has a little hold on us. And so every baptism, there's a minor exorcism to cast out evil first, to make way for the Holy Spirit to come and to rest upon the child. Even for us here at Mass. Every single Mass would begin, we greet each other first, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins. Let us, let us point out the stuff that prevents God's work. Bring it to him. Present it first. Set it aside. Trust in the Lord's mercy. And then we receive his word. This is the reality. This is the structure of, of Christ that he has given for us. We come and we, we put all the other stuff aside first. We have to prepare the soil of our hearts so that when the word comes to us, it bears great fruit. Because again, this is what the Lord desires. He came among us to give us life. To make us fruitful and spiritual fruits. So that we can be brought into the joy of the kingdom of heaven. We come and do this in a variety of ways, of course. You can think of clearing the field as going to confession. Removing all the, uh, the roots and the rocks as uprooting sin in our life. Trying to, to get those things out of our life that, that easily choke out that choke out and prevent the, uh, the grain from taking root in us. Tilling the soil is uh, the, the gift of holy mats where it comes and stirs us up and does something new, aerates us, give us new life. The leveling of the soil, the reality of prayer, the making of rows to receive the word of God is reconciliation because so often the hardness of our hearts prevents us from receiving the word. The weeds are choked out by our service. Love of other, cast out the things that easily pull us away from Christ. All of these are aspects of the Christian life, things that we ought to be doing regularly as a regular maintenance for the field that is our soul. And so it's the invitation for us to, to labor. That the spiritual life is not easy. It's a difficult task. It's something that requires of us a continuous work. Everybody knows that if you just kind of let the yard go, the weeds come pretty quick. Whether it's fields, whether it's grass, whether it's your garden, whether it's your flower bed, whatever it is. If we allow it to simply be as it is without laboring in it, something happens. And the beauty that's supposed to be there is stolen away. And the same with our soul. It's if we're not laboring in the field of our soul, if we're not doing the things that prepare us to receive the word of God and then to nourish that word so that it can become fruitful, something in us is lost. It can sometimes be overwhelming to consider how it is that we begin the work in the field of our soul. Yesterday I was watching a a video from a a band that I like, uh, and they... (laughs) 
oddly enough, the, the guy in charge of the kind of oversees the thing, he made an instrument that runs entirely on marbles. All of the music is made by marbles hitting different notes on different instruments on this machine. And so it's a rather complicated thing that he's created. And he was talking about how to fix some of the things so that it could be ready to take on the road for concerts. And he had one project, fix the marble machine, make sure it's ready to go. But as he went through the machine and and was looking at all the little intricate details that needed to look at, that needed to be tweaked, and even in a smaller way, he found 109 items that needed to be fixed before it was able to take it on the road and feel comfortable that it would be ready to go. 109 items. And sometimes that's the reality of our soul. We can look and say, okay, I want to begin this spiritual life. But as we start to look, we can easily see, well, you know, I get distracted in mass and struggling with this prayer, struggling with that prayer, struggle to, 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 to read the scriptures very often, struggle to have reconciliation with other people. I've got these sins and this sin and this sin and this sin that, are, that just, and it can be, as we look at the field of our soul, it can be sometimes an overwhelming thing. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? If you're looking for one concrete thing that you can do that's an easy win to start off or to continue the nourishment of your soul, I would encourage you to look into the life of St. Benedict and specifically to get for yourself a medal of St. Benedict. St. Benedict's feast day was yesterday, July the 11th, the day where his relics were transferred from one monastery to another. It was a great feast in a church. St. Benedict is the man who is the founder of Western monasticism. So when you think monk, you implicitly think Benedict. It's just the reality of what we understand. He's also a man, because of that monastic world, he's essentially very much a, a founder of Western culture. So many of the things that we take for granted as part of our society were really actually started by Benedict and his communities um, around, the, around Europe, around the world. But it's not for that reason that I would encourage you um, to look into his life and to have recourse to his prayer. It's because the man was an intense man of faith. And he knew the reality that the evil one is at work. But we have an answer and the power of God. Interestingly, St. Benedict, he wrote a, a rule for how monks ought to live their life. And in the beginning of that rule, he speaks and he says... My son, speaking to the monk who would be reading it, my son, open the ear of your heart. Open the ear of your heart. In the gospel today, our Lord rejoices for his disciples that have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. And so they were open to receiving what it was before them. Because indeed, as, as the Lord went, many places he went, the people saw, but they didn't believe. They saw and it was a nice show. It was an exciting thing, but they didn't allow it to increase within the the virtue of faith. So St. Benedict begins his rising. He says, my son, open the ear of your heart. Listen with the ear of your heart. Open your heart to Christ. Let him come in. St. Benedict, again, was a man of intense holiness. One of the fascinating things in the life of the church is when a person is very holy, sometimes the people around them don't like that. When a person is very holy, sometimes the answer that other people have to that problem is, well, if we get, if we get rid of them, then we don't have to feel bad for not being as holy as they are. 
It's a strange thing, right? And so it actually happens sometimes in the life of the church. St. Benedict was an incredibly holy man. And some of his monks at the monastery were not too keen on that reality. So they decided they were going to kill him. I like that, huh? The people living in your house trying to, trying to kill you. Because you're too good. You're too nice. You're too holy. You're too saintly. And this is what they did. As they poured, they poured some poison in his drink for the evening meal. And he went and he offered the blessing. The chalice broke open, the liquid poured on the table, and a snake slithered away. He knew what was happening. He knew that there was hatred in the hearts of his brothers. And he knew the power of God to cast it out and to fix it. And this is what he did. Is he fought against the evil one, trusting in the power of God. And the medal of St. Benedict invites us to do the same. Again, I would encourage you all to, to get a medal of St. Benedict or something with the St. Benedict medal on it. Here's a little crucifix that I have. Um, it has the St. Benedict medal in it. Uh, if you've been on the Axe Retreat, you've likely received one of these uh, as your necklace. Um, but they have plenty of medals. They have the little medals that you can wear on a scapular. They have some that are keychains. They have some that you can just keep in your pocket. Oftentimes, people put them over the door of their home, put a little nail in, and hang a little St. Benedict medal at the entryway of their house. And this is not just kind of superstition. Superstition is not something we believe in as Catholics. It's not, it's not the equivalent of a lucky rabbit's foot for Catholics. For us, sacramentals are powerful. Because a sacramental that is actually blessed by a priest or by a deacon of the church becomes an instrument of God's grace. It becomes something that, that when used properly, opens the heart of the person who uses it to God. It allows us to draw closer to Christ. Having a St. Benedict medal and wearing it with devotion, keeping it on your person or having it in your home, is a way of having a closeness to Christ through the prayers of St. Benedict by, by allowing your heart to be opened to the grace of God. Sacramentals, the things like crucifixes, holy rosaries, medals, prayer cards, statues, uh, stations of the cross, holy water, blessed salt, all of these things are sacramentals. They are things that lead us to the sacraments. They are things that open our hearts to what God desires to give in fullness in the Eucharist, in baptism, in confession, in anointing, and all the rest. Sacramentals are things that predispose us to holiness. And so if we make use of them, they allow us to begin, by God's help, to open our hearts to receive the word of God. And the St. Benedict Medal in particular has this power. If you get one, ask me, tell me, you know, if you have it, bring it. If you want to bring it to me or bring it to your own priest or if you're not, if you're not from here or from another parish or whatnot, um, ask him to pray the St. Benedict blessing over it because there's a special blessing for St. Benedict medals. Because the medal of St. Benedict has a traditional reality of being used for exorcisms of casting out evil, of keeping the evil one away, of making sure that what is, where it is present is good soil for the word of God to find rest. All over the metal, there are tons of little images and there's, there's um, wonderful little acronyms. There's a, a sentence upon it. There's a little picture of the little chalice that's broken up with a serpent coming out the top of it next to St. Benedict. But on the medal itself, there are several things that I think are important for us to know. 
around, uh, so if you look at, at the metal itself, on the back of it, there are all kinds of various letters that don't necessarily seem to make sense. They're not, it doesn't, uh, there's not a lot of vowels in it, so that it would sound like words. They're the short form of a prayer, and they're a prayer of great protection. The prayer that is on the St. Benedict Medal is simply this. Begone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. On the cross, it has five letters going down, five letters going across. And it's a simple additional prayer in, in for that as well, that same focus. May the holy cross always be my light. May the dragon, Satan, never be my guide. It's a prayer of casting away the evil one so that Christ might reign. And at the top of the medal, there are three little words inserted, or three little letters, P-A-X, pox. It's a Latin word for peace. Because this is the reality. That when we have recourse to St. Benedict, we have recourse to his prayers, which are incredibly powerful. They keep us close to Christ. They open us to all that the word of God desires to do within us. And when we allow Christ to come and to increase within us, when we allow his life to come to our soul, when we allow his grace to transform us and to produce good fruits, one of the first fruits that we see is peace. Pox. This is what Christ desires for us. In so many ways, our souls are easily disturbed by the world around us, by the evil one, and by our own temptations and flesh. But it doesn't have to be that way. Christ desires to give us peace. He desires to make us incredibly fruitful. And thanks be to God, it's his work to begin with. Our part is simply to say yes. To be willing to receive what Christ has for us. To be willing to follow after him when we receive those promptings to do the things that he calls us to do. Any farmer knows that it's not he himself who makes the field grow. It's the Lord. He provides the labor. But it's the Lord who brings forth the growth, as the scriptures tell us. In the same way in our souls. If you're looking for a good start on how to, how to begin or to continue your spiritual life and your fruitfulness in the Lord, look to St. Benedict. Where is metal? Open your heart to Christ. Listen with the ear of your heart as the Lord wants to speak to you. Draw close to him and he will give you peace.